Bibles, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. Gospel of Mark chapter 12. And, and for some months now, actually many, many months, we have been in the Gospel of Mark and we're, we're working our way towards the end and we'll just in a, in a few weeks be finishing up the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be finishing up uh, not, not on Resurrection Day or Easter, as we sometimes call it, but we're going to be uh, just a couple of weeks after that. But there's a lot that is happening. By Mark chapter 12, what is happening here, this is actually in the very few days leading up to Jesus' death on the cross and then, of course, his resurrection. There is so much in chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, most of it covers only the span of one week. There is so much there. I love the gospel of Mark. It's the shortest gospel. It is the most sequential gospel. It happened in the order in which we read it. It is, uh, it, is, it is powerful. There are some truths here that are not mentioned in other uh, Gospels. Uh, other Gospels mention some things that Mark does not record. Mark was a traveling companion, a friend, a, a co-worker of uh, Peter, the, the disciple, the apostle Peter. And, uh, and so we know that much of what is recorded is Peter sharing with Mark, who, directed by the Holy Spirit, wrote it down, and we have this record before us. So we've been in here for some months, but I want you to understand the time frame here is in the days just prior to, just a few days before Jesus uh, was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he was tried, and then he was hung on that cross, died and then on the third day following rose from the dead. So all of that is happening um, right here during this time. And this morning I want to read to you Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41, reads this way. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he began observing how the multitude were putting money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned all she had to live on. Lord, I thank you again for your word. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit who authored this. Speak to us now. Bring it to our hearts, to our minds, to our lives. May we take it with us after we leave this place, these truths. Help us to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus here, it says, is in the temple. He's in the temple. There's only one temple. There are many synagogues. There's only one temple. It's in Jerusalem. Jesus is in the temple. And it says here he was sitting near the treasury. Now, let me explain. The treasury, this, was this so-called treasury, was, it was essentially an offering box where people could give at any time. It would be much like this giving kiosk that we have in the back of the sanctuary. If, you know, a lot of people do it electronically, it's, it, it's like a giving box in the back of the church. They didn't have ushers then where they would gather it, but they had this treasure. It was in the back of the, or on one side of the, uh, of the temple. It, the, the treasury was designed for a couple of pur purposes. It was, it was to allow people, of course, to give offerings and tithes, but it was also a, a private and personal thing. But it says here, it says here in verse 41 that, and following, that Jesus sat near the treasury, 
and he began observing how people gave. It says he began observing, use that word, observing how people gave. So Jesus watched people as they gave. Now think of this for just a moment. Here he is, he's sitting there, uh, he's sitting opposite. And so I'm not sitting up here today, but just he's sitting opposite and he's not looking over here at this, he's not looking over here at these disciples. But he's watching this box, he's not watching the box, he's watching the people as they give. Wouldn't it be interesting to watch Jesus' face as he watched them? Boy, that would be so interesting to see his eyes as he watches these people walk up, give, and walk away. I'd love to see his eyes. I'd love to see the expression on his face. I believe that Jesus was very expressive. Face reflects what's in the heart. and Jesus' face, I'd love to see Jesus' face as he watched people give. By the way, just stepping away from the text for a moment, for purposes of dis- discretion, don't do this. Don't watch people too closely as they give. How many know what I'm talking about? The offering has already been received. You're safe this morning. But next Sunday, there will be another opportunity. Please, when that offering plate is coming by, don't look at them as they give. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you really want to mess them up, look over your shoulder as it's being passed to the row behind you. <laughs> or, or as it's coming to you, hold it and look back at them. That will really mess them up. Don't do that. But Jesus did that, so to speak. He watched them as they gave. Jesus observed, he watched as people gave. Now, in the text here, and you see the narrative, in the text here, two kinds of givers are described. First, it describes, it says, that rich people, that's the words that are used, rich people gave, quote, large sums. Rich people gave large sums. There were, and it says many people, many rich people gave large sums. And so, so here, here are some people who are carrying coins of high denomination value, probably silver and gold coins, and probably many coins. And it was very obvious. You know, you can hear a coin, um, you can kind of, if, if, if you're tuned into it, you can kind of know a coin just by sound, right? If you put in a, a penny, it sounds different than a quarter or, or a half dollar. It, 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 there's a different sound to it. And so a gold coin, a silver coin, it's going to sound very, very different than a small little copper coin. It says these rich people gave large sums. And Jesus watched them give. Remember, he's watch, he watched them as they gave. When I was a boy, Many years ago, I remember acting out this scene in a Sunday school class. We had a very, we had a great teacher, and God bless our Sunday school teachers. I am so grateful for them because they, they, they speak truths into young hearts that last a lifetime. And I, I will never forget, every time I read this story, and it's in a couple of Gospels, every time I read this story, I think of my Sunday school teacher who had us act this out one day. And she had me and two other boys act out as the rich people, and uh, we, we played the rich person, and I, I remember very clearly in my mind's eye, going back many, many years, like 15 years ago, I remember going back, no, that's kidding, um, uh, about 40 years ago, f- f- more, uh, a lot of years ago, 
And I remember going, we, we walked in with arrogant looks. We had our noses raised, the three of us, me and Scott and Lyndon. And we walked in and we, 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 we had our, our chins raised and we had arrogant looks on our eyes. And she had given us a sack of pennies and we took that penny and there was a box sitting on, the, on one of the tables in the classroom and we walked in and we waved to people as we walked in and, and we kind of with great fanfare plunked those things into the box. And then we kind of walked out. I remember it very, very clearly. It, it, was, it was great. It was an Oscar-worthy performance. It was just really an amazing thing. <laughs> um, but notice that it doesn't record that they were arrogant. It, it doesn't record that. It doesn't say that they were arrogant. It doesn't say that they came in with great aplomb and looked at people and waved and drew attention to themselves as they gave. It doesn't say that. We assume that that happened. It may have happened, but we assumed that that happened, but only really one person, only one person who was watching them knew their heart. So only he can say, and it doesn't say what their heart was like, but it also says that Jesus observed a poor widow give an offering. So remember, there are many rich people, but there's only one poor widow woman. Let me explain the plight of widows at that time. Um, back then, a widow generally had little or no income. Her husband uh, would have been the breadwinner. That was, of course, in the culture of the time. He, in most cases, would have been the breadwinner. Um, and, 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 and when her husband or when a woman's husband would die, the family finances always went south. And life insurance policies, that wasn't even a concept yet. It was so far into the future. Being a widow almost always meant being poor. That's why you see these words, poor widow. In fact, that was a really major concern to the early church. And so you see, like in the book of James, we're studying the book of James on Wednesday night, and, and we'll see here how, how in the early church there was great regard and great concern and great care given, attention given to widows. And this is one of the reasons. And so Jesus, he's watching this woman. It says this woman came to the treasury, and she gave an offering of two small copper coins. They were called lepta, two small copper coins. They were the smallest denomination coins of the time. Very, very small. Their value was almost nothing. Two of them equaled what we would call a cent. If you can imagine that. I mean, I mean it, was, it would almost be embarrassing if all you had was just one penny. It's like one penny, and you, you placed it in. Other people, now other people at the moment did not know. Other people in that place did not know, but we find out later that those two coins that equaled one cent were the last little bit of money that she had. And she gave it, everything. That's all she had, but she gave it. Now, <clears throat> the way that she placed the money into the treasury, into that box, is also not recorded. We don't know how she did it. We don't know exactly how she did it. Back again to that long ago Sunday school class, um, one of the girls in our class, Gwen was her name, uh, she, she played this part, and, and the teacher had given her a shawl. I don't know why, but she had a shawl on her head, and so she looked poor. I mean, she just looked poor, not that shawls, but she just looked poor, and, 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 and she had this shawl on her head, and she quietly entered the room, and she's holding this penny, this, just one red cent, Lincoln penny, holding it very, very tightly, 
And she, she quietly entered the room and her head was bowed and her, her eyes were downcast and, and she carefully dropped those uh, two pennies, those two pennies, she dropped them into the box and then, and then, and then quickly left. Oh, she, Gwen, Gwen was good. I mean, she was good. Now, that may be how this woman did it, but again, it doesn't say. But I'm, I'm sure of this. This I can say with great cer- certainty. Almost no one there that day would have noticed or taken much, given much attention to a woman who gave just two small coins. If anyone noticed at all, they would have hardly noticed her. Just, just two small coins. No one except Jesus. You see, Jesus noticed. Remember, I take you back to the scene. Jesus is sitting across from the treasure. He watches the rich people come in, give. He watches them go away. Never takes his eyes off. Another rich person, because it says there are many. Another comes in, gives. Another person, a widow woman. And he watches her. Two coins gives. And he watches her walk away. Almost no one noticed except Jesus. I love that part. Jesus noticed. Jesus saw it. Do you know, often when we say Jesus sees everything, we go to the negative, don't we? Often when we say Jesus sees everything, it's followed by, so you better be on your best behavior. And it's true, Jesus does see everything. He sees what we do. He, he, he sees everything that we do. And I thank God for that. There's nothing that you do, there's nothing that I do, there's nothing that any of us do that, that can escape his notice. We can go any place, we can go anywhere, at any time. And Jesus is aware. He's all-knowing. He's aware of what we're doing. But we often go to the, the negative. We, we, we uh, used to, uh, long ago, and maybe still... Sing a song, it's a good song, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. The next verse goes, oh, be careful little feet where you go. Uh, Or be careful little tongue what you say. Uh, And and then the next line goes, for the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful little. And that's true. He sees everything we do. But we often just go to the negative, yet he also sees every good thing that we do. I want you to hear that. Some of you need to know that or be reminded of that. He sees every good thing that we do even if no one else sees it. Sometime after this, in the book of Acts, two men, two missionaries named Paul and Silas, were. It, the Bible records that they were praising Jesus, singing praises at around midnight from a jail cell. Even if no one else knew or cared, Jesus observed them do that. What happened was a mighty miracle that followed. It didn't escape his notice. Even though everyone else, no one else was around, Jesus noticed. He saw the faithfulness. This same Lord saw the faithfulness of Job even when everyone else gave up on him. Even when everyone else abandoned him. Even when everyone else was around Even when everyone else made Job the the poster child of all that could go bad, 
God noticed Job. He saw David. He saw David hiding in a cave, running for his life from a wicked king who wanted to capture him and then kill him. He saw David in that cave writing a psalm when no one else was there. I could go on at length. There are so many examples in the Bible of people that no one else was around, no one else was aware, no one else had a clue of what was going on, but Jesus did. Just as importantly, he sees you when you submit to him. He sees you when you resist the devil. He sees you when you give of yourself and serve other people and minister to other people and call other people and write a note to other people. He sees you when you you pray for another person. He sees you even when no one else knows or gives you credit. He sees you do that even when no one else cares. And somebody here needs to hear that this morning because you're, you, you feel maybe a little taken for granted. You feel maybe a little taken advantage of. Listen, the one who sees all sees you. You need to get that in your heart. Father is looking down in love and he sees you. He sees you when you suffer. I mean truly suffer because you've taken a stand with him and for him. Our Lord still observes. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, my Father who sees everything will reward you. Isn't that good? Jesus said, my Father who sees everything will reward you. No one of us knows exactly how many days we have, how long this life is going to be. But I believe and I know with everything in me that at one point, someday, we're going to be in heaven. How we get there, I'm not exactly sure or when. And it's going to be through death or through his return, I don't know. But someday we're all going to be in heaven. And we are going to, we are going to, we are going to enjoy for the rest of eternity all the things that we did for his name. Why? Because he sees you. So you mean that the little thing that I do now in his name, yes, even a... Even if you give somebody a glass of water, the Bible says, in his name, he notices. And he will reward. My Father who sees everything will reward you. Some of you need to hear that. Because you feel like, well, is it worth it? He sees you. He's watching you. Back to Mark chapter 12. If anyone noticed anything, it would have been the amount given and the kinds of persons who gave. We, We tend, I'm as guilty as anyone, We tend to look at the exterior. So if anyone noticed anything about any other person, with the exception of Jesus, of course, he saw everything, and he he saw the heart, they would have noticed the amount given and the kind of person who gave. But again, Jesus, who knows everything, also knew the conditions from which they gave. That's very, very important. Let me say that again. Jesus, who saw everything, also knew the conditions from which they gave. He knew the backstory. He knew the rest of the story. In verse 44, Jesus then speaks to his disciples. He speaks to his, the, 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 the widow woman has gone on, the rich people have gone on. Now Jesus turns his attention from the treasury to the disciples and he says this. 
He, he t- told the disciples that the wealthy gave out of their surplus. You see this in the, in the text. The wealthy gave out of their surplus, but the widow out of her poverty. Those words are very important. Surplus and poverty. Surplus and poverty, both extremes. Surplus means more than enough. Poverty means not enough. Jesus said that the wealthy gave out of their surplus, but the widow out of her poverty. You know, we often live without enough of something. I was talking about this with someone just a few days ago. We often, we frequently live, in fact, we always are living in some way without enough of something. We usually do not have a surplus of important things. For example, we often don't have enough time. We often don't have enough time. We, we look at our to-do list or the things that need to be done and, and we don't have enough hours in the day, waking hours in the day, to accomplish it all. So sometimes it cuts into our sleeping hours. We often don't have enough time. Don't raise your hands, but have you even said just in the last couple weeks, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, got, I got too much going. I just don't have time. We often live with a great poverty, if you will, of time. We don't have a surplus of time. Um, uh, who, and who does? Unless maybe you're in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hospital room or a nursing home or something like that. Uh, then, of course, the, but, but then it's, it's, it's a whole different situation. You, gotta, you may have, but we often live without enough time. How about this one, often uh, without enough money? Now, why we have, don't have enough money is, is uh, stuff for another time, but, but we, often, we often don't have enough money. We, we look at the expenses and we look at the income and we go, I just, I just don't have enough money. Uh, the, the, the challenges, the financial challenges are greater than the financial resources. And so we are often in a place where we don't have enough money. We have a, a poverty of money, not a surplus of money. Um, strength. Uh, we often are very, very tired. We can get to the point where we just don't have the physical resources to do something. We don't have the strength. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional. We go through a period of time that's emotionally draining, and all of a sudden something comes up, and you just say, I don't, I don't have the strength for that. And we have a poverty of strength, not a surplus of strength. Or how about this one, a desire. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty acute at times as well. We, you, you, you say, I, I don't have a surplus of desire to do this. I have no desire to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this because I don't want to do this. We have a poverty, not a surplus. And, and then sometimes it's our abilities. We, we look at what, what, what abilities we don't have and we go, the task is much greater than, than, than the abilities that I currently have. And so I have a poverty of ability, not a surplus of ability. So we're often lacking. There could be other examples, but we're often lacking. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is where it's very, very key. When we give to Jesus Christ out of the poverty of that resource, amazing things happen. Is that, this is, this is, the, this is the, the key part of the story. If you think that this is simply about money, you're missing the point. It does have to do a, a, a lot about that, but it has to do with so much more. When we give to something, when we give to Christ, when we give to the work of the kingdom, when we give of ourselves out of our poverty, Rather than out of our surplus, then amazing things can happen. On countless occasions, on countless occasions in my life, perhaps in yours as well, on countless occasions, I have found that he then gives us enough. 
There have been so many times in my life when I looked at something and I did not have the time for that. I'm thinking, I don't have the time for that today. I can't do that today. There's absolutely no way that I can fit that person or that time or that thing into this day. There's just too much going. I have a poverty. But then all of a, I just say, okay, I'm going to trust you. And we give ourselves to him and we give, we, we, we take the time, we do the time, and then all of a sudden we have enough. It's an amazing thing. Same thing with money. How many times have you, don't raise your hands, but how many times have you looked at your checkbook and your checkbook says, no way? You've looked at your budget and, and your budget says, absolutely no way. You look at your bank statement and, and your bank statement says, are you out of your mind? You can't do this. We look at that and we go, I don't have enough money, and yet the Holy Spirit speaks to you to give to something or to give to someone and to, in the name of Christ as unto him, and, and you go, it doesn't make sense, but you give and suddenly something happens and you have enough. In fact, you have more than enough, not only for that need, but for another need. I've experienced that. Many of you have many, many times. Or their strength. I don't have the strength to do this, but you, 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 you trust him and suddenly he gives you the strength to do that one more thing, the emotional strength, the physical strength, the spiritual strength, and, and you have it and you have enough left over and you go, wow, this is pretty cool. Same thing with desire. Same thing with our abilities. We look at our lack of abilities and we go, I don't have it, but he called me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust him. And, 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 and along the way, he gives you the ability to do what he called you to do. You first act upon it, and then he gives you the ability. It's a step of faith. That's why we call this a faith walk. And there are so many times that we look at the, the poverty, the lack of something, and we go, I can't do it. I don't have enough of time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough desire. I don't have enough ability. I don't have enough strength. I can't do it. Rather than saying, all right, I don't have enough, but what I do have, I'm going to give to him and trust him for a miracle. And he does it. That's faith. And it's hard. And I don't like it. Well, I, if I had more than enough time, more than enough money, more than enough ability, I really wouldn't trust in him. But when we give out of our poverty rather than out of our surplus, amazing things happen. So let me, just, let me just challenge you this morning. Stop giving only when you have a surplus of something because you will seldom have a surplus. If you're waiting for the day when you have enough money to be used of God, then it's never going to happen. If you're waiting for the day in which you have more than enough abilities to accomplish anything he gives to you, it's never going to happen because you're never going to have a surplus. Begin to give out of your poverty and you will see amazing things happen. By the way, and I just throw this in, when we give from a limited resource, when we give out of our poverty, if the starting point is from, our, from what we lack rather than what we have, when we do that, when we give from a limited resource, we become more like God. Let me explain this. Do you know that God, do you know that God had a limitation he did. God had a limitation. Now, some of you are thinking, come on, man, that's, that's borderline heresy. God is unlimited. He owns everything. He can create anything. No, but it's true. In fact, you've, you've declared it. You've declared it many times. He really does. Many of you have declared it many times because the first half of the best-known verse in the Bible says this, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world, the Father loved the world so much that he gave his only son. This tells us that God did not have many sons, just one son, but he gave everything so that we could be saved. He gave everything. God the Father gave everything so that you and I could be saved. So that you don't have to stumble through this life just hoping to make it another day. So that when the, some of the worst news that's ever hit your door comes, you have strength for another day. So that when the diagnosis or the prognosis is so negative that it's almost overwhelming, because God the Father gave His only Son, His only Son, then we have hope. Maybe that's why that woman who had the small offering caught Jesus' attention because she gave everything she had just like his father had done and just like Jesus himself would do in just a few days. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, he gave his whole life. He gave everything. He became the offering, the greatest offering, He gave everything so that we could gain God. So you want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Oh, I want to be like Jesus. People think, I want to be like Jesus. That means that I'm nice and sweet and kind. You want to be like Jesus? Give. You want to be like Jesus? Give. You want to be like Jesus, then, then, then give. Then, and and don't, don't focus simply upon the monetary. That's part of it. We'll look at that another time. But, but it, it's more than just that. Give of your time. Give of your ability. Give out of your poverty. Give. You want to be like God. You want to be more God-like than give. Now, you can't give and get salvation. Salvation is a free gift. But you want to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ? you want to see him work miracles in your life and through your life, then you, you become a giver. Do you want to be like Jesus? Then give. You see, it is my prayer this morning, it's been my prayer as I've been preparing this message, that you and I will be an amazing giver. Who says, Lord, I don't have much. In fact, I have so little, it's almost embarrassing. I have so little time, so few resources, so little desire, so little strength. But what I have, I give to you. I want to be a giver. If you do that, if you do that, if you become an amazing giver, then I can promise you this. Jesus will do amazing things in your life and through your life. In just a few moments, we're going to close this time um, I'm going to ask the, the uh, musicians if they'll step forward for a few moments we're going to close our time with a uh, song that we sang earlier while they're coming I don't know the rest of the story none of the gospels tell the rest of the story 
you know, here's what I'd like would happen. I've mentioned this before. Here's what I would like to happen is that some really wealthy person who is a guy, good-looking, tall, dark, and handsome, met this beautiful little widow woman, and they lived happily ever. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, now, we're going to meet her in heaven someday. I believe we're going to see her someday in heaven, and we're going to find out the rest of the story. But I, but I don't know the details, but here's what I know. If Jesus saw her, Jesus was going to take care of her. And we've yet to find out the rest of the story. Someday, if it's still important, we'll find it out in heaven. But I just, I know Jesus, and I know how God operates, and God who sees all rewards. And he took care of that little gal. And just as important, he sees you. And he's going to take care of you. And he's going to bless you and he's going to use you. I'm not talking about some prosperity gospel. It's a, it's a skewed teaching. I am saying that our Jehovah Jireh, our divine provider, our God provider can provide for you. I'd like you to stand, please. We're going to close our time in prayer. We're going to sing a song. And uh, you can come right away. If you want to come to these altars and say, Lord, we give you everything, then we want you to come. We're going to sing this song. What's the song that we're going to sing again? I forget. I give you my heart. And so you're going to see these words. And so these altars are going to be open. If you need to go, feel free to go. But let's spend some time with Jesus. God bless you this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we give ourselves to you. I give you my heart, my soul, everything in me. As we sing this song, Lord, as a make it our declaration as we leave this place or come to these altars, we pray that it would be more than just words on a screen or words on our lips, but they would rather be a message in our heart. I give you everything heart, soul, my life, everything in me. It may not seem like much to others. It may not seem much to the person beside me, the person who know me best. But I give you everything. And you, the one who takes small things and even no things and makes big things, you will do something in me. So help me to be a giver. We give ourselves to you. Thank you for your presence and your power in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Bless these people as they come or as they go. We give ourselves to you, everything, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together. God bless you this morning. Lord, I